Welcome to the Enlightened Discipline Podcast with Scott Stoffer, a certified financial planner in Silicon Valley. The Enlightened Discipline Podcast is about moving you and your family towards better wealth. This podcast is purely educational. It's Scott's way of paying it forward, helping people make better financial decisions. And now, on with the show with Scott Stoffer and co-host Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome. Today we're going to talk to Scott about ignoring the financial media. And Scott, before we really dive into step number nine, we have been talking about the 10 steps to a better investment experience. Could you walk us back through the other eight so that we can set up how we're going to talk about ignoring the financial media? Sure, Matt. Be happy to. You know, step one, we called understand market pricing. And we use the story of how a pencil is made to show how markets are efficient and prices reflect all the available information. And step two, it was titled, Don't Try to Outguess the Market. We talked about jelly beans and oxen to show how hard it is for anyone, including professional money managers, to try to beat the market by finding mispriced securities or or timing the market. And step three, it was don't chase past performance. We looked at academic research, which shows that past performance is a poor indicator of future performance, even though it's probably the number one advertising message used by mutual fund companies. And step four, we were looking at let markets work for you. We talked about how capital markets work and how throughout history they have rewarded investors for the capital they supply. You know, people expect a positive return on that capital they provide. And historically, the equity and bond markets have provided growth of wealth that is more than offset inflation. In step five, we were talking about take the right risks. We went back to academic research, which shows that investors can have better results by understanding the equity market premiums relating to the size, value, and profitability of a company. For fixed income, we talked about how it was best to use it as, as a way to reduce the overall volatility of your portfolio and that you shouldn't look to fixed income to provide equity-like returns. Step five was practice smart diversification. We again leaned on academic research to point out how important global diversification is. It's also what Nobel Prize winning economist Harry Markowitz, the father of modern portfolio theory, calls the only free lunch in finance. Hmm. In step six, we looked at avoid market timing. We debunked the idea that that market timing works. In theory, it looks brilliant, but in practice, it, it just doesn't work successfully for most investors. And we talked about the jelly bean chart where it ranks the performance of very asset, various asset classes over the past 10 years in different colors. That's why it's called a, a jelly bean chart. And when you look at that chart, you just can see that the one winner one year is really, rarely the winner the next year. So this checkerboard look of the chart demonstrates just how hard it is to predict winners year after year after year. And, and step eight, the one we just finished, it was manage your emotions. We talked about five ways to keep your emotions in check and your investments on track. Number one was have a plan. Number two was get a coach. Number three, ignore the headlines. Number four, don't follow the crowd. Number five, practice positive addictions. And just quickly going back to number three, that's what we're talking about today. How do we ignore the financial media and what are some of the strategies that we can use to help us? It's just kind of funny that each and every one of those steps that we've been talking about, step one through step eight and today's step nine, These are really contrary to what Wall Street says you should do to get rich or to attain your goals. 
You know, they want you to believe that the answer to your questions is in their products they can sell you. I really believe they're good people, but they're in an old established system that really thinks they can pick winners or losers better than anybody else. They think they can time the market better than anyone else. They think they can identify mispriced securities and loopholes in markets to make you millions, millions of, of dollars. You know, Matt, but the, the academic research is clear. It's looked at all this evidence. And while it does exist in some select time periods or corners of select industries and markets from time to time, it's just not repeatable. But that doesn't stop Wall Street from using the financial media to try to get their message out. Every financial advising office I've ever walked into always has CNBC playing. And on CNBC, it's always talking about either the world is is great or the sky is falling. We hear this stuff all the time, Scott. How do you and what can you do to tune that out? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and we definitely have some ideas to share. But first, I think it's really important to understand the scope of just how hard the financial media tries to drive home their message. And you know, the financial media is really no different from any other profit-seeking company. For them, it's just about the bottom line. It's dollars and cents. We need to remember that the financial media and their publications make money by selling ads, not by giving sometimes boring investment advice. If the front cover said, stay the course every month and the next month, stay the course and the next month, Stay the course. Well, how many people would stop to buy that magazine or read that article? Not many people. So it seems like the financial media, in order to sell, their focus seems to be either on fear or greed. And the more sensational, the better, because that's what sells. Well, give us some examples. I would love to hear some concrete examples of the financial markets and financial media and financial product pushers. Give us some examples of how they're doing this. Yeah, I went back and looked at some old magazine covers and I'll describe some of them. So there was an issue from Money Magazine. and This one was August 1997. And in big red letters, it, it cautions, don't just sit there. Sell stocks now. Wow. In smaller letters, you know, the cover reads, risks are rising. Take profits by cashing in 20% of your shares. Our 24-page special report tells you what to do next. There was a, a snapshot of the May 1996, about a year earlier, issue of Money Magazine. It has a picture of a guy holding his jacket over his shoulder, wearing a tie. Suspenders and a white shirt on the, you know, on the right side of the page. And, and the title reads in big, bold letters, make money. And in smaller letters, it says, even if the market falls. And I'm just like, okay, there's this great quote, and I think I've used it before from Warren Buffett. It says, I've seen more people fail because of liquor and leverage, leverage being borrowed money. You really don't need leverage in this world. So anytime you're trying to make money when the market is falling, generally you're talking about using leverage. And I, I just don't think that's what we want to do. There was another snapshot from 1999 in Money Magazine, and it was a picture of a man standing behind his wife and, and holding her in his arms. And in smaller letters, you know, it said tech stocks. And, and below in bigger letters, it said, everybody's getting rich. Here's how to get your share. And a little bit later on, in another issue from Newsweek, around that same time, there was a picture and a cartoon character man resting his chin on his palm. And it said, everyone's getting rich but me. And, you know, when we see those titles, I mean, who can't feel bad mm -hmm. and want to do something different? You know, there's nothing worse than feeling like everybody's getting rich but me or everybody's got the best idea but me. And as a result, if you listen and you do something that isn't part of your personal financial plan, you're bound to do something that you regret. 
But the media doesn't want you to read just one article. They don't want you to buy just one magazine. They want you to read the next one and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that. You talk about academic research all the time on these podcasts. You've already brought it up today. I bet you have some research that negates some of this stuff. Help us out. <laughs> yeah. Funny you should ask that. I do. And, uh, you know, there's a, a good book, it's, um, Why Smart People Make Big Money Mistakes and How to Correct Them. The authors cite a, a Harvard study of investment habits, and there were some interesting findings. What they found was that investors who received no news performed better than those who received a constant stream of information, good or bad. In fact, among the investors who were trading volatile stocks, so these are the things you really want to be cautious with, of those investors who were trading the most volatile stocks, those who remained in the dark earned more than twice as much money as those who trades were influenced by the media. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's clear that you are better off making investment decisions based upon your own financial goals and your own investment strategy, not why the market jumped today is going to jump tomorrow or is going to jump the next week or is going to go down today or down tomorrow or down the next week. You know, contrary to what the financial press tells us, it's not reckless to ignore what they're telling you to do. Now, how do you teach your clients how to ignore this? I mean, you have to have some techniques, right? Yeah, and, and here I'm going to borrow from another blogger that, that I follow. His name is Joshua Brown, and he, he writes a blog called The Reformed Broker. And in, in a blog, he shared five ideas on how consumers can be savvier in their consumption of financial news. And, and I thought these were pretty good. So the first one, he says, is acknowledge that everyone has a bias or an agenda. Even me, you know, on these podcasts, I have a bias and I have an agenda. So I think the first step is whenever you're reading a blog, listening to a podcast, looking at an article, watching CNBC, whatever it is, just remember that they have a bias or an agenda. The second step that you can do is you don't want to confuse someone else's time frame for your own. You know, when you're watching CNBC and they're going through some of the morning shows and they're talking about, here's the good buy for today. Here's the good, you know, what you need to be selling or something like that. Just because it might be how they do things, that doesn't mean that's how you do things. Their time frame might be different than your time frame. So don't get caught up in thinking that you have to act just because somebody else is telling you to do something when that's not your investment strategy. Number three is know that 95% of what you read is contextual information, not actionable information. Okay, so it, a lot of the times in newspaper articles and magazines, what we read on, on the internet, it's really providing contextual information about what's happening in certain situations. That doesn't mean you got to do anything about it. You know, a classic example is all the maybe social unrest or conflicts across the globe or crises in different economies. All these things provide contextual information, but that doesn't mean that you have to do anything about it. Number four is ignore all forecasts and price targets, except for entertainment purposes. You know, you, you really don't want to be, you know, saying, oh, they said this was going to go up 10%, therefore I'm going to buy it. No, you, you just want to have entertainment value from that because trying to, as we've talked about in a lot of our podcasts in these 10 steps, trying to figure out where the market's going to go or what a particular price is going to do or an industry, nobody has a crystal ball and nobody knows. So you need to set up your plan and know if you're on target, regardless of what their forecasts are. And the fifth one 
I thought was pretty good. He, he had a reading hierarchy that should start at the most important thing you want to read are books, then articles, then blogs, and then tweets. Hmm. So just remember that probably your best information is going to come from good books rather than a tweet. And, and none of those things you want to act on. Huh. You know, since we've been going through these 10 steps to a better investment experience, there have been a lot of things that have popped up to me, both personally and professionally, and also just psychologically that are very difficult to overcome. And you've talked about being your client's coach to hold them accountable and keep them focused in today's podcast, you know, ignoring the financial media. You do need to lean on professionals who understand what the motivation is behind the financial media and how it could potentially affect you. And if it does, and you've already said this, most of it, if not all of it, does not affect your personal financial plan, which is what you do for your clients. What final uh, thoughts do you have on step number nine? And then what can we expect with the last of our 10 steps to a better investment experience? Yeah, good. And just real quick, if we go back and touch on something we talked in, in step eight, manage your emotions. You know, what should you do? We talked about here, you know, five things you can do to ignore the media. Just remember, it's important to have a plan, get a coach, ignore the headlines, don't follow the crowd, and practice positive addictions. So as we get into our last step, the next one, I think there's a good quote from William Bernstein. He's a uh, financial author and supporter of modern portfolio theory, and he sort of says it best about ignore the financial media. The sooner you turn off CNBC, get out into the bright sunshine, and take a walk, the sooner you'll feel better about your investments. Hmm. So that's a that's a good quote. Next time we're talking about step 10, focus on what you can control. And uh, this is my personal favorite of the 10 steps. So it's one you don't want to miss. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Matt. And next episode, as Scott said, focus on what you control the last of the 10 steps to a better investment experience. Thank you very much. And I hope all of you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Discipline. Brought to you by Better Wealth, proudly serving Silicon Valley for over 15 years. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at BetterWealth.us, where Scott will share his insight on how to stay on track, in control, and achieve what matters. 